this Friday. Your favorite emotions are back on the big screen in Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. It's time to greet your Team Riley. It's anger. Let me at him. Fear. Safety checklist is complete. Disgust. Ew, ew. Ugh. Sadness is in the house. Oh, no. Hello, I'm anxiety. I'm one of Riley's new emotions. Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. There's a part two? We're going. Ready PG. Parental guidance suggested. Only in theaters Friday. Get tickets now. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome, human beings. This is the Woke Bros. I'm Michael Jamal Aziz Abdul Mohammed Brooks <laughs> with my friends and compadre, Big Wise Wise. How you doing? Lao Akbar, my brother. How are you, man? Lao Akbar. It's rainy in Brooklyn. I'm sleepy like the weather, man, but I'm ready to get it. How are you doing? I'm good. I cannot complain, man. It's been a pretty hectic day for me, myself. I'm not going to lie. Just a lot of stuff going on out here in L.A. But um, I'm good. I'm always happy to be doing the Woke Bros with you guys, man. And shouts to, of course, Rob Lopez on the ones and twos. He's actually been working overtime this week because Jade Hoy is on vacation. So Rob, is he's been having his hands in all kinds of things. And he's actually going away tomorrow. So before his trip, he's probably not even packed yet, but he's still super producing right now. <laughs> nice. So, uh, gentlemen, we got a lot to get to, uh, as always. But first, actually, we got to talk about shows. Uh, Waz, what do we got for him on the uh, Count the Dings side of things? Count the Dings live October 12th in San Francisco, California at the Independent. The entire Count the Dings crew will be in attendance, as well as special guest Marcus Thompson of The Athletic. Andy Lou and Sam Espeniari of the Light Years podcast. A couple of more guests will be in tune as well. Uh, you can expect all of the, your normal hijinks, man. You, every single show gets better than the next. Uh, everybody always seems to enjoy themselves. It's always an incredible opportunity to connect with the people who support us the most, man. So it's dope to just always go out to the shows and put a performance for the people but also man just get a chance to chop it up and you know get a chance to just vibrate with the people that that's, that show us all of the support so make sure you get those tickets there's only a hand but but a handful left i know it seems like october is years away from now but it's really not it's going to creep up on you before you know it october 12th at the independent in san francisco california that's a saturday doors will open at 8 p.m um and we plan on rocking out that entire night so get your tickets asap at countedings.com get your tickets to the tmbs live show at lincoln hall in august 24th in chicago we're incredibly excited. We sold out shows in Brooklyn and L.A., and now we're headed to the Midwest. Excited to see everybody out there. We're doing with a featured guest, Chuck Maris, who's like a Chicago icon of underground media. Pretty excited about that. Of course, TMBS, Patreon, iTunes, YouTube. Check out all the links. So, Waz, 
let's talk about um, what happened this past weekend. There's no real way of avoiding it. Um, specifically, uh, you know, there was a terrorist attack in El Paso, a mass shooting in Dayton. And I want to use those terms differently. I think the first one definitely would fall under a definition of political terrorism, if we're going to use yep. that word. Mm-hmm. Uh, then, uh, although I, I want to get to later, I would like us to use that word a hell of a lot less in general. Sure. Um, Dayton, uh, you know, I think that is more along the lines of a extremely, dis- I mean, obviously anybody who would do anything like this is extremely, you know, disturbed and twisted. Uh, but sometimes there's a clear ideological influence that doesn't appear to be in Dayton, although the guy in Dayton had a bunch of sort of left wing Democratic sympathetic things on his social media. So obviously the Republicans are trying to make hay out of that. Um, you know, there's a lot to unpack with this, but I I, I just I just throw it to you first, man, because I, you know, there's a lot to unpack. I mean, what? What are you thinking on all this? You know, it's interesting when the Republicans try to do this. Like if we if we're doing anything close to a sort of scorekeeping at home, if you really want to do that and you really want to like talk about these mass shootings and if we're keeping score, like we know who's winning. It's the Republicans, right? Like when it comes to people that actually have a defined ideology, uh, when it comes to the people who've done these these mass shootings, terroristic attacks. And the reason why Mike wants to make that distinction is because this is a guy who clearly laid out an ideology on his social media, in his personal correspondence with people, message boards on the internet. Like, he clearly laid out an ideology. And um, it's important where he did this. El Paso is a border town, right? <laughs> and we know what the rhetoric has been for the last Shit, since 2015, ever since Trump came down those stairs, those escalated stairs, this has been the rhetoric on the right as it pertains to what's going on down at the border and immigration as a whole. So this isn't like hard to parse here, right? Like you're not making any leaps or circumstantial evidence like this is directly tied to rhetoric that comes out of the right, the far right, and not just the far right, mainstream Republican politicians. So I I think that's the distinction that Mike is trying to make there when it comes to terrorism like if you want to call something terrorist there has to be an ideology tied to it right it can't just be oh my girlfriend or girls don't like to have sex with me so I shot people up that's not terrorism that's an act of you know a random act of mass violence like when you see somebody that has a clearly defined ideology and mode of belief um, a belief system predicated on, you know, a white nationalist nation and the eradication of anybody who isn't that like that's clearly what it is. And there's no way to separate white nationalism from violence. Right. Like there yeah, are, you know, sort of right. there are environmental terrorists and then there's Peter. Right. Like this, th- those two things are like clearly defined when it comes to white nationalist ideology. There is no version of it that isn't violent. And that's the difference of the two things. When you talk about the ideology of, you know, white supremacy, white nationalist shit um, and whatever happened out in Dayton, Ohio, which obviously is a is a horrible act. Like people lost their lives senselessly 
and for no reason that, that that's that's obviously a tragedy as well but if we're going to be if, if words are to have meanings right like if we're going to assi- go through the trouble of assigning meanings to words we might as well get it right right mike <laughs> no i agree 100% um yeah i just i think that's 100% right you cannot separate violence from white nationalism. It's definitionally a a violent ideology, even if people are not picking up arms. The rhetoric of, you know, this great replacement theory spans uh, European neo-fascists. It was in the the massacre at the Christchurch in New Zealand. It was in that murderer, that terrorist manifesto, and obviously also in the terrorists at El Paso. Then where it gets complicated, right, is I think, you know, when it comes down to saying that this is all a continuum of the Republican Party and conservative right wing politics globally, 100 percent, it's, you know, inseparable from white supremacy, white nationalist ideologies and all of their variations and also the ones like very particularly at this moment, I 100 percent. I just couldn't agree more with any of those things. Then where it gets tricky when I see some of the takes, though, is like just as I can acknowledge that, you know, and see obviously that a group like al-Qaeda is the problem, I still don't want to have like a securitized, stupid response to them that doesn't try to at least do the best best we can to try to get rid of the underlying traditions. So like as an example, conditions, right? So as an example, I saw Lee Fang tweet out. Lee Fang is a he's a reporter for the Intercept. I know some people I'll just put on the table like I know some people who I respect a lot who have some problems with how he goes about some goes about things particularly on race. And I know some people who I really respect who think that he's, you know, just a great investigative reporter and, you know, has left wing politics, but isn't like, you know, he isn't a certain type of person who's going to go out on Twitter and just always say all the things you're supposed to say all the time, which frankly, like, look, in a lot of cases, let's be real here. You're not Eddie Cloud, So, you know, you don't need to say the same shit. Right. <laughs> but he put out and tweeted, you know, basically like. Not in in contrast with understanding white supremacy, but he said, you know, another thing that's also true and more and more studies are coming out showing that millennials and millennial men, uh, but all millennials have record levels of loneliness and social isolation. And he just said, you know, this is in the mix, too. Now, when you look at what might motivate somebody to join ISIS or Al Qaeda, there's a huge amount of factors like sometimes. It is as simple as a U.S. drone has killed my family. I'm going to go fight, of course. But there's other circumstances a lot more complicated, like maybe I grew up in Holland. My family actually does decently in Europe. I've definitely experienced racism, but I've also experienced some really good things. But I'm underemployed. I'm directionless, this type of shit. And so, you know, you have to consider all of those things. So it doesn't excuse anything anybody does. It doesn't mean that these aren't despicable people with toxic ideologies. But if we want to actually deal with the problem, to me, it's like the big struggle is going up against, you know, the actual power structure of this country. Like, forget impeaching Donald Trump. I'm sorry. I don't give a fuck about any of the Russia shit. I can't even 
dance around that anymore. It's boring. I don't give a fuck. But impeach him for being a racist. Impeach him for it doesn't need to be a crime. The man could be impeached for being a bigot who foments division in this country, 100%. And then in the broader context, yes, you do need to look at what's happening in the economy. You do need to look at what's happening in people's lives because it's like a, it's like a virus, you know what I mean? And it's always there because of our history and who we are, but it gets inflamed when the system is weak. So you got to do all of it at once. Yeah, if you're going to seriously address the the problems with the mass violence in America, it can't just be, oh, well, the guns. Well, obviously, that's a huge part of it. We need to address that. Um, in an ideal world, we would have legislation passed. We'd be regulating these guns just as you know severely as we regulate OxyContin or something like that, right? Um, like right. we'd be doing in a perfect world. That's exactly how we'd be regulating guns. Um, but we're not there yet. Uh, but as far as like what you said, of course, there should be a holistic approach. I know people like to bandy about the term mental health and things like, but this shit is important, right? Like it absolutely does play a role. I get that certain cynical politicians like to use that term only when it serves the purpose of not holding the gun lobby accountable. Like we get that. It's not hard to hold two thoughts at the same time, or at least it shouldn't be hard for liberals who think they're smarter than everybody who's ever existed. Right? Like it shouldn't be hard to hold those two thoughts at the same time. But you know what I do want to say, and, and I'm glad you brought up the impeachment part, right? Because I feel like, there's only but so much bandwidth that can be withstood on the left, right? When it comes to issues that we're going to decide that we're going to attack full force. And, I, and I'm and i sorry, I look at gun control as just, and, and people can say what they want. It just seems like a, a waste of time for people on the left when it comes to shit that we want to do. And I want to tell you this straight up as a black dude, right? Um. When I think of when I, the, the gun control issue is framed for me as like things that white people are allowed to do and white people have decided that we're cool with it collectively, generally speaking, like the people who like guns have decided that white violence is just the cost of doing business, period. Yeah. Right. Like and we can bring up uh, uh, we can bring up examples like Ronald Reagan in California with the Black Panthers and how quickly they fucking drew up some gun control legislation. Right. Like that was nothing. It was quick. Like black people started showing up in public places armed to the T. And it was like, oh, no, hell no. We <laughs> hell no. We can't have that. We need to control this shit. We need to control gun control. And I just think for me, it's just one of those things where it's a losing battle in the sense that like if you compare it to an issue like, say, healthcare, right, there's a certain segment of the population who's decided, like, I don't really want to get health care because I feel like the people who are going to benefit most are somehow black. But we yep. <laughs> like like minorities are going to somehow benefit more than everybody and they're going to get a free ride and whatever. And that's the only reason they don't like it. But we're at least to the point with them where they're like, no, we need some health care. Right. Like we're there with them. So that's something we can fight for. We can fight on those grounds like that's a fair playing field. I feel like convincing people like, yo, health care is something that you want. Health care is something that everybody should have because they already agree with that. Now, the gun stuff, I just don't think. 
a certain type of white person and, and it's a decent enough amount of them, you know, and so long as we're letting Wyoming have as many U.S. senators as California, this is just going to be what it is. Um, And I hate to yeah. sound fatalistic. I hate to sound like I'm quitting on the issue. I'm just like, we got other shit to worry about. White people are fine with white like, violence. They like it. They They don't care. Do you also feel like I think everything you're saying is true, but do you also feel I mean, because it's also just like an intensity thing, right? Like a vast majority of people do support some form of gun control or whatever. But, the you know, the 15, 20 percent that are all about it are all about it. And then there's another, you know, and of course, like everything else, there's an arms industry, you know, like that's the bottom line, too, is that there's powerful companies that distort the legislative process. But I guess my only other, my only question too, though, like in addition to that, it would be like number one. And this, this, these are like the three quick reasons. I don't really talk about gun control once the biggest reason. Number one is like, if you look at Australia, they had a mass shooting, like a famously horror, like the type of shit that happens here all the time. But it was back at a time. When it was, Still considered horrifying and weird that some lunatic would, you know, drive a truck into the restaurant, start murdering people or whatever. I think it was that. And so they just got rid of guns. Like that's what they like. They didn't they didn't say like, well, what we're going to do is you're going to chew a pack of gum and then uh, we're going to take a, a breathalyzer test. And then, um, you know, there'll be an electronic print. They were just like, oh, OK, well, that shit happens. So I don't know. Maybe there's like a hand. Maybe there's some like you know, hunting rifles left or something, but they pretty much just like, yeah, your guns are going. So my thing is like on a policy level, like, like I don't really care to talk about little bullshit, like take away everybody's guns. You know what I mean? I'm not even saying that I'm necessarily advocating that, but I'm just saying like, that is the answer. If you really want a gun answer and I'm not, you know, and then the other two things are like, I could simultaneously say that, as a policy and also totally think that so many liberals have made it a cultural issue and not a public safety issue. That the fact that they dwell on people's guns so much as not like an actual legitimate position, which is like, hey, man, I don't really I'm sorry. I don't really care to risk uh, getting paralyzed in a movie theater or my kids getting killed because you want to have a gun. I'm sorry. Like that's a legit, no bullshit, straight up position. But all this other like, oh, look at those people with their guns. They're yeah. so dumb. They've played into the hands of the NRA with that shit because it is condescending. It is stupid. It is culture war bullshit. And the third thing I'll say, too, is that it seems to me that if it is smaller gun shit, not just like taking it away on the race dimension – Stop and frisk in New York was a gun control measure initially. Fact that was all of that turned it right. So, so that's why black men were getting stopped and frisked, and Hispanic men all across the city. So, if you put some petty new gun control measures on the books, and maybe I shouldn't be so dismissive. Maybe they're worthy. They're probably little things we should do. And honestly, like, look, if you could save, you know, one person's life from gun violence, great, do it. But where primarily will these things get enforced and what communities will they target? Look, I, I'll say this about stop and frisk was just stupid. Yes. I don't want, I don't want to say stupid. It was wrongheaded, right? Like the, the, the unintended consequences are so obvious, especially when you consider the history of the New York city police department. 
and the minority citizens of New York City, like that relationship is it's deep rooted. It's it goes back hundreds of years. Like we know what time it is with that. But what I will say about New York City and gun violence is the bottom line is the law in New York is if you are found to be in possession of a gun, you're going to jail for two years. I don't care how rich you are. You could be as rich as Lil Wayne, Plaxico Burris, whoever else. If you are found to be illegally in possession of a firearm, which means basically in, in, in New York, that means you basically got to be a cop. Like it's impossible to legally – it's damn near impossible to legally obtain a firearm in New York. You are going to jail for two years. Trust me, Mike. I know people who are like, I'm way less likely to leave my house with my gun because I know what the fucking consequences are, right? Like of right. course you do have those people who's like, I got a problem with somebody. I have a plan. I'm about to go do this. Yeah. They end up taking their gun out with them, blah, 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 whatever. And we know how horrible that is. But the bottom line is that law, the strict law of straight up, if you are in possession of a gun, you get two years in prison. Like it's hard to like it's hard to overstate how important and effective that is. And not just about actual violence in New York City, just me, myself, like personally, like I feel less at risk knowing that everybody knows they can get two years in prison for a gun, you know, that, um, that is kind of wild, like being in New York and New York is like ridiculously like I don't want to say over safe, but like New York is very like the it's extremely the, safe. It's <laughs> insanely safe. And, you know, I don't you know, I remember I was in like the middle of Missouri like two summers ago and it wasn't like, you know, yeah, obviously there's a little like fish out of water or whatever, but. It was just that awareness of like people are fucking strapped here. Yeah, it was cool. Like there was not. It was actually you know beautiful, lovely time. Blah blah blah. But 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 you don't have that awareness though. You don't have no, not at all. And and by the way, and I'm happy that you mentioned the cultural aspect of it, right? And you don't even need to go that far. You can go to somewhere like Philadelphia, where you know I'm riding in the car with my friend, and he is a licensed, permitted gun carrier. He has his gun in his his glove compartment. The 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 cops pull us over for a tail light or whatever they pulled us over for officer i have a firearm in my glove compartment the officer said are, are you licensed to carry that yes i am all right cool let me get your license and registration bro that's the culture though right like that's the culture out in philadelphia the same thing in georgia the same thing in texas like that's the culture where like guns just are not a big deal there and and i'm glad you mentioned that like when people on the left try to frame it as oh these backward people in their guns it's just like I mean, is it more backwards than, you know, fucking yoga? I, you know, like, I don't know. Like, you know what I'm no, saying? I, like, I, no, that's so that. See, that's so true, man. Like, is I, it more I, backwards than eight dollar coffee? Like, I don't know. You understand what I'm saying? So like, many things, you know, and it's and there's so many things like. Where you can say like, oh, like. You know, Fox News will, uh, you know, turn it into something else or whatever. That's all true. But like there's still you just not being mindful of how your shit looks to other people. And I'm not saying like 
you know, you can go to other parts of the country or other political environments and there's a million people who, you know, they do the same shit about the yoga and the coffee and say that that isn't that that's dumb or whatever. And I'm, I'm just trying to get away from all of it. Like I really because, you know, not because I'm not saying there aren't differences, but actually because I am saying when you are talking about something like white supremacy, you can't just reduce it to some little dumb cultural preference shit. Yeah, that's not the gun for this country. And it's and it's you know and it's fundamental to capitalism. Like you gotta you gotta deal with it. You can't just say like, oh yeah, I don't like people who, you know, wear clothes that don't fit in unfashionable areas and carry guns because that is how so much of it just ends up clocking. Yeah, and you know, and again, as far as I'm, and I hate to sound this way and detached, and I don't care, but I'm just like the the communities that want gun control have it. Um, it's not on the federal books. Which sucks, to my opinion. Yes, I wish there was less guns on the street. I wish we were more regulatory. I wish we would be more restrictive about who can carry them and, you know, how often we take that right away from people and all of those things. But the bottom line is the places that want gun control locally, they have it. Um, and that's where I'm at with that. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I don't know about everybody else. It, and, it, you know, and I see the hand and it's not hand rigging. It's legitimate. This is horrible. It's tragic. It's America in 2019, like allegedly the most advanced progressive nation that almost ever was right. Like the, the idea that like you can be at the mall or the movie theater, and some dude comes through and shoots the shit up. Uh, it, it sucks. It's terrible. Um, that, 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 that shouldn't be a way that we're living out here, but that's just the reality. Cause most of our citizens are completely fine with it. Yeah. I, I think that that's, that that's like the real, it's it's, it's like it's almost like people who live in Florida and like hurricanes, like how hurricanes are a part of their lives. I feel like that's how a lot of the gun people feel is like, well, that's just the cost of doing business. I live in Florida. Of course, there's going to be hurricanes. I got to get flood insurance. I got to do all that. That's that's life in gun toting America it, to them, to their eyes. And I don't think they're going to be changed of that opinion. Yeah. Unless some black people start shooting some shit up. And then, <laughs> trust, <laughs> trust me. Trust right. Me. And right. Some black people start showing up to their kids' uh, elementary school, <laughs> arm to the T. Oh, Lord. Well, that's what's so, that's what's so wild, though, is like just even, you know, and I, you know, I get, I don't always like go for this lane, but like even when they bust out, like, first of all, like I understand partially why. One of the reasons people don't like when they say mental health is because if you don't, you know, if you don't specify, like most people who have suffer from, you know, actual mental illnesses, I mean, they're more likely to be the victims of violence than the perpetrators, right? But there's also this whole other, like, you know, yeah, like Jimmy, man, like, you know, he had a tough time in high school, he jerked off a little too much, and, ah, uh, you know, he just went and fucking killed everybody at a bar, must have had a mental illness, nothing we could do about it. And then, like, you know, area, like areas that are simultaneously like, I mean, you know, Chicago is still the example that all of these fucking people use all the time. But take, you know, take like an actual neighborhood where it's like, OK, maybe you really have encountered a lot of violence and dealt with a lot of shit. You have PTSD and nobody ever, you know, that's never in the media discourse ever. It's not. <laughs> like, that's a, and that is a that's a form of mental illness, man. And there's a lot of people, you know, who are, you know, dealing with that across, you know, class and racial lines, obviously. So that's just another way in which we we totally fail. But I, I agree with you, like do it or don't. But the only thing I would add to is like, don't just do the like, 
You know, it's like, well, it's because of those dumb people and their guns. Because honestly, it's just a bad look. I just, I, just, I don't think it's helpful. You know, like I think that all of these fucking people dine off of that shit. Agreed. And, and I think we need to move on to more pressing issues, namely uh, Bill Clinton's impeachment back in 1998. Thank you. Thank you. Now, I have to go back to work on my State of the Union speech. And I worked on it till pretty late last night. But I want to say one thing to the American people. I want you to listen to me. I'm going to say this again. I did not have sexual relations with that woman, Miss Lewinsky. I never told anybody to lie, not a single time, never. These allegations are false, and I need to go back to work for the American people. Thank you. Uh, the Hollywood Reporter reported yesterday that FX, Ryan Murphy, um, their next installment of American Crime Story will be called Impeachment. It'll be it's going to be produced by both Ryan Murphy and Monica Lewinsky. Uh, Ryan Murphy put out a quote to the effect of like he was approached about doing the show, but he reached out to Monica Lewinsky and was like, frankly, I don't want to do this without your involvement. And if anybody's going to be telling this story, you should be making money off of it, which hundred percent I agree with um, is going to start Sarah Paulson. Uh, those of you who watched the OJ show on FX, which a lot of people did, which I thought was quite excellent. One of the dopest pieces of TV that I've ever seen in my life. Sarah Paulson uh, ended up playing. Uh, Jesus, I'm, I'm tripping up on the lawyer lady's name. Marsha Clark. Marsha Clark, the curly hair. Marsha Clark. She <laughs> played her. Beanie um, Feldstein. Of uh, she was in uh, sorry, I'm drawing a blank here. Oh, Lady Bird, Booksmart. Uh, she's pretty. She was really dope in Lady Bird. I heard she was incredible in Booksmart. I still haven't seen it. Everybody who saw it said it was an uh, excellent movie. Um, and of course, uh, uh, Anna Lee Ashford, who was in Masters of Sex and a few other shows. She's a dope actress as well. Very dope comedic timing. This this girl has. Um, she's dope. And Ryan Murphy's gonna be running the show and. Man, I'm not going to lie. Uh, the OJ thing was so awesome as far as nostalgia porn goes because we all remember the OJ thing. But 20 years later, you realize there's so many crazy twists and turns and things that we forgot that were completely true, that absolutely happened, but were completely absurd. And I think Ryan Murphy just has a knack for those details that get people being like, wow. What a time to be alive. And I, I just really look forward to this show, especially in the climate of, you know, and you mentioned the impeachment or the lack thereof of Donald Trump um, and his various indiscretions while in office. Like the idea that Bill Clinton was going to be impeached for basically having sexual interactions with his intern and lying about it is just like, whoo, we come a long way, haven't we? Right. I mean... Yeah, I mean, it's crazy. Like, uh, there's just, like, so many obvious things about how, like... Mike, our president paid off a porn star. Yeah, I know. I mean... (laughs) And admitted to it. He's on record. Because, like, I don't even know how to... I mean, there is, like, the shit with Trump where it's, like, you know, like, there is, like, totally the first white president dimension. And, of course, if he wasn't a trust fund baby and white and all of this, that's definitely part of it. A big part of it. 
But there's also like there is a fucking just unique, bizarre as hell personality in Donald Trump. Like no one else. Like, yeah, of course I did it. I'm smart. Like, you know, Bill Clinton eventually like Bill Clinton didn't say like, I never said I didn't do that with her or like, yeah, it's like, yeah, of course I, you know, like, yeah, of course. Like I didn't technically have sex with her because I'm smart. Like nobody, like, it's just, I mean, you know, I always do the bit where it's like, what if Obama, it's just like, yeah, it's like, you know, of course I took money from the Saudis. I'm smart. You know, like (laughs) it's ridiculous. Like you can't even, you can't even, but, but the thing that's interesting to me, right. Is like, and it's funny because this is now like an area where it's like I've almost in some ways would land in the middle. Like back in the late 90s and you look at like how the Democratic Party and even like elite like, you know, at least like feminists who had big platforms like establishment feminists were like totally pro Bill Clinton and actually attacking Monica Lewinsky and these like really cruel and misogynist ways and yep. you know and she was just a young woman and it's like so horrifying and so disgusting what they did to her like it really has damaged her life and all of these people did it and it was foul and gross and now what's funny is like now it's like stopping the clock somewhere where it's like you know like bill clinton definitely like like the way that went down was not cool. Cert- like what they did to her as a political operation was disgusting and grotesque. Yep. But like, no, he shouldn't have been impeached over that shit. And Thanks. you know and, what I'm and, saying? Like, and it's also interesting because like Monica Lewinsky for years would say like she didn't think of herself as a victim. And she might be saying like, I, I don't know if that's changed recently, but I don't want to like completely see that either. Like, They could have done like, you know, yeah, this it was incredibly stupid thing to do on his part. But it's also like, yeah, but it's still not like I wouldn't go to that other like ultra position of like, you know, 2019 and like he should have been impeached and sent to the Hague for that shit. You know, like I don't go there either. But back then, that was some of the most misogynist, grotesque counterattack on her. And now I think today there would be like no you know, it would just be like, no, it's done. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I look forward to the depiction because again, like you said, when, when you, when you juxtapose what was happening in 1998 with the discourse around this type of stuff in the me too, and the time's up era that we now occupy, it's going to be very interesting when those things to watch those things play out on screen, because even something like just the idea that the president of the United States would ask his intern to have sex with him is problematic, right? Like we now understand the problem with the power dynamics there, right? Like you're the leader of the free world. This is an intern. Like, it read like obviously we know logically she can say no, but in that position, man, you putting that young woman in a very tough spot, right? Um, we now recognize that as as something right. that that should right. never happen in any workplace environment. I think that's what's going to be interesting about this show. We now have, I've, in a lot of ways, we're more enlightened, but we're a lot more prudish too. 
<laughs> you know, in ways that kind of get on my nerves and how we frame this stuff. Um, I think of the Aziz thing as an example of that. Obviously, what what was printed about what he did with that young woman in his apartment was 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 terrible, right? Like the idea that you would stick your finger in somebody's mouth without asking them and this, this, that, and the third. Like these are terrible acts. But, you know, a lot of times they get framed as like just as terrible as criminal acts or what Harvey Weinstein was doing when he's just like, do you want to get a paycheck? Suck my dick. Like these two things, like a a lot of ways the discord has become – less elevated, you know, like in the way that we cover these things. But I'm interested to see um, when the facts of what happened are presented to people and, um, you know, knowing what we yeah, know now so and how we talk cool. about this stuff now, that that's going to be right. fascinating. We don't to want me. to go to that opposite all-consuming narrative either. Like, right. yeah, because that was definitely like, yeah. I mean, I, I had a lot of problems with the article about Aziz and – how that was presented and spun, right? And again, it's not to say, and and I think even in the, and of course, like there's like the broader context of like the ability for everybody to evolve and change, which is really important because, sure. it, you know, it's like, right? But then at the same time, like either either drawing false equivalencies or like, you know, misrepresenting certain things or misreporting certain things or, you know, just like having like a shitty approach, you know? And I think like, that's, that's, what's very interesting about the polls of, of the Clinton stuff. Cause again, if you, if you go back to the late nineties, I mean, that was wild. Like they were trying to destroy a young woman. Yeah. Reputationally. Like, like, and at the same time, like, let's let's be real here, too. Like, like, I guess what I'm saying is, like, I agree that, like, look, should Bill Clinton have done that? No. For, like, a variety of reasons that are obvious. Of course. But at the same time, I'm not going to, like, I'm not going to just totally moralize it. You know what I mean? Like, and it's, you know, it's like, hey, like, it's also, like, it happened, you know, like, and he should have been impeached, right? There were other things that other women said credibly about Bill Clinton that oh, were like, criminal, like, like not, like, totally, like, not Aziz, Harvey Weinstein, and past Harvey Weinstein. And yeah. those things were suppressed, counterattacked, viciously fought against. So, you know, it's like, Somehow, yeah, I mean, shit, it is, it's fucking wild to look back at where things were. And, you know, I don't know. I mean, I guess in the grand scheme of things, like Monica Lewinsky hasn't, you know, isn't like starving to death or whatever, but right. I could not think of a more, I, I, I don't, I can't think of a more raw deal and a more fucked up treatment of a public figure than her. Right. And, and man, and, and when you think of the word infamous, uh, it doesn't get more infamous than that. Like her name, her face, her name was plastered all over every single magazine, Saturday Night Live, Mad TV, Good Morning America. Like you name it, you name any piece of media. Um, she was there. And to have to go through life with uh, carrying that, that's 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 a huge burden, man. 
But, you know, I think this I think this this show is coming just right on time. It's coming out September 27th on FX. I know I'll be tuned right into that <laughs> when, oh, when it drops. And, and I would expect everybody who listens to this program to do the same. Um, moving on a little bit more uh, TV news. Bob Iger on Disney's shareholder call announced that Disney is about to drop um, their Disney Plus program in a bundle with Hulu as well as ESPN Plus. All kinds of Disney IP um, and, and content. ESPN Plus now has a bunch of baseball. They've got MMA. They've got tennis. They've got soccer from leagues all over Europe as well as MLS. Uh, Hulu obviously houses a bunch of TV shows from other networks as well as original content. Um and they're dropping that for $12.99, which is an absurd value when you think of the, about the fact that Netflix is $10, bucks, uh, Amazon Prime is about $14. Bucks. Uh, Disney has just recently purchased 21st Century Fox. Obviously, the Marvel thing that they purchased years ago has been an incredible financial boon for them. Uh, you know, the, just the, the sheer amount of culture that Disney now owns is incredible, right? And we talk about um, monopolies being the future. Um, unfortunately, Disney is a just a huge example of this. Like the amount of shit that they own and money that they're taking in is obscene. Um, obviously, as a consumer, I'm like, shit, man, you you gonna give me Disney Plus and all that for 12 bucks? Cable used to be 200 <laughs> a month. Like, uh, sign me right up. But the implications that it has, right? Um, when you, and, and, and I think people were worried. I know a couple of people who were working at Fox 21st Century um, who were a bit worried when they got bought by Disney because Disney doesn't make adult content. Like even like one of my biggest gripes with their superhero stuff is that it is ostensibly for second graders. You know what I'm saying? Like as far as like the moral dilemmas and the content that comes out of it, like there's it's really for kids. Most of the content that they put out so that they're buying all of these properties that are essentially adult content and adult art shit that I like to consume. I was kind of worried about it, but it seems like they're going to let a lot of these entities go business as usual when it comes to something like FX, which, again, is a Disney property now. And they're putting out a Bill Clinton Monica Lewinsky scandal show and I'm guessing they're going to pull no punches like this is a new direction for Disney but it's heartening to see that they're going to let creative still remain creative yeah I mean my concern is definitely always at the end of the day you know increased concentration monopoly uh, and that I mean that's always a major you know it's always a danger and the kind of new business model now where in some areas there's you know there is a proliferation of opportunities in some lanes although that's kind of shrinking like netflix is pulling back um but the new model has been created right like it isn't like an old like pre-internet relatively homogenous media environment but they're making stupid money on advertising. And if you can get through the gatekeeping system, which was a huge problem in and of itself, you could, as an artist, you know, make like real money. Now you can't really do that. And fewer and fewer things are being invested in. You know what I mean? Like you can, you can see just even like the budgets for like, you know, like movies you might see in the nineties or obviously like in the seventies when it was like, right. 
the golden age, right? Where you might actually be like, you know what? This is a movie. It's a real movie. It has a budget and has energy and it has focus, but it isn't a fucking Marvel movie. And now everything is either like, you know, this is a passion project <laughs> that maybe we like got some like, you know, a little bit of like independent, you know, Eastern European money in and we're doing it on a shoot on a, on a tiny budget or just Hollywood. Like, all right, well, here's the next Marvel movie. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I recently watched Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, which is, you know, they gave Tarantino, and Tarantino's a legend. He can, you know, write his own fucking check if he wants to, right? Wherever you, whenever he feels like making a movie. But, you know, they gave him $90 million to make that. And it's not a superhero. It's not an anthology. It's not going to have a part two, three, four, five, six for the next 50 fucking years, Marvel. Um, it's not one of those movies, right? Um, and he got to make it. Like, he got a substantial budget to make it. I, I watched it. I loved it. I thought it was great. But that's adult content, right? And that's not content that they feel like is bankable to do the whole, you know, make 12 Fast and the Furiouses out of it. And we're seeing less and less of those things um, more and more. So, you know, we were fortunate to get that. And I wonder, you know, with the monopolization of, of all content that Disney's doing, I wonder what that means for the adult contemporary type of movie, right? I know we're always going to get our uh, uh, Churchill biopics, right? Like, we're always going to get those Oscar-y, Oscar-bait type of movies. Like, we're going to get those, and those are ostensibly, quote-unquote, adult films. But I don't know how much original content, right? Like, this isn't some Spider-Man or comic book or, you know, 70s TV show that we're remaking into a movie. It's, like, straight out of the mind of a very creative person, and he was able to get a check to put it out um, and make art out of it. Like, I don't know how often that's going to happen under this new paradigm, but um, I will say I'm going to have Disney+. Plus. <laughs> All right, well, that's just that's that a me. part of the problem. I'll probably get it too. Exactly. 12 bucks, I mean, come on. I, you can't beat that with a stick. No, you really can't. So, I mean, that's, and, you know, that's obviously where I, I really wonder, and I have no, you know, fuck them, obviously. Like, I don't know where these, like, devil cable companies, like, I, I'm sure that they, I mean, they have monopolies on you know, cable uh, and infrastructure and they have a lock hold on Washington. So there's all these different markets that they can basically like politically create for themselves. But just the idea that you would pay like a couple hundred bucks for a cable package is wild to me. And yeah, yeah. the same way that it's wild to me that, you know, it hasn't really just gotten more and more of like, all right, I want, one system where I can subscribe to everything from like my favorite Twitch stream to my independent YouTube political shows. But I also want, you know, the NBA channel and the tennis channel. And then I want HBO go. And then I want this and that's, and then maybe a one specific, like, I don't know. I want to watch Chris Hayes and that's it. Like that is why, like that's just incumbency that that hasn't been set up yet. You know, cause I don't see how, some scenario like that doesn't eventually happen where it could just get more and more curated because everybody expects that now living on their phones and shit and cable. That's just wild. Like anytime you use cable, the way it's like on one hand, like, Oh yeah, you just aimlessly flip through it. But 
you can't find what you want? What? <laughs> I think it's actually a problem for Netflix too, to be honest. That was another expedition of the Woke Bros. Next week, we'll have our digging in the crates recommendations. We'll get back to that next week. But we actually had to jump. So check us out. Get your tickets to our live shows. San Francisco for Count the Dings. Chicago for TMBS. Check out The Athletic. Check out all the different extra Count the Dings content. Become a patron of The Michael Brooks Show. You know all the ways you can do it. Leave us a review on iTunes. Subscribe to The Bomb Feed. Thank you, Rob. Thank you, Waz. We'll see you soon, everybody. Peace and love.